Tyler here. Uh, before this episode starts, I just wanted to give sort of a warning slash apology. Uh, Tickle jumped up on the table before we started recording and apparently messed with more of uh, our settings than I thought. And it wasn't something that me and Danny noticed till we were way done with recording this episode. Uh, but there is, it's going to sound like there's a lot more background noise than normal. Uh, we did try to get rid of most of it. Uh, in fact, I got rid of most of it. I'm glad you're not listening to what it did sound like. Uh, but we're very sorry if the sound quality on this isn't quite what you've come to expect from the rest of our episodes. Um, hopefully it shouldn't be too bad. I've listened to a portion of it. Um, it sort of fades to the background. Uh, but... Uh, your mileage may vary on that. Um, everything's fixed, though, so next week will be nice and good. Thank you very much. Catch you guys later. This is episode 61 of Fried Squirms. Yeah, I'm excited about this episode. I know I always say that I'm excited about you know all of our episodes, but this one in particular for a very big bad reason. Yeah, this is a special one because it ties back into our first year of this, I guess. Yeah, we, That's why I would count it as special. It certainly was. One of the films that we did inside of our top ten found, which I think was our, our first eight. ten, maybe not top ten. Well, let's well, say top ten, but our first well, ten episodes. Actually, I mean, okay, we'll get into that later. But. <laughs> yeah, that's subjective, but our first ten episodes, we had covered an independent film from Indiana called Found, and within that film, there was another film, and that film got turned into this film, which we're covering today with Headless. From 2015. I'm also excited to get into it, but before that little bit of semi-horror news, just because it's shit that we've touched on before, but we were just talking about how we went and saw The Shape of Water, and we of course did GDT's Kronos earlier, a few months ago, or Jesus, probably half a year ago. Yeah, now. it was during our vampire month. But Shape of Water just got, what, a few Yeah, it Academy won several awards. awards last night. It won the Best Picture, it also won Best Director for GDT. For GDT. Also, it won the best score, and the score was done by Deplat, if okay. I'm not mistaken. And it also won best production design. So it oh, yeah. took home four out of 13 awards, which is pretty decent. And another little film that we covered during a doubleheader with Get Out and Green Room, well, Get Out won the Academy Award last night for original screenplay. So two films that we have covered that are part of the horror genre did take home some awards. Although Shape of Water is kind of... Yeah, it's I not really consider horror. horror. <laughs> no. no, but GDT, I yeah. mean, if you like horror, you probably like him. So I would hope so, <laughs> considering. Um, I know we've talked about him a lot. Not to take away from the movie, because it was oh, glorious, so good. but maybe a little bit of the Oscars showing through a little bit. A lot of people thinking Get Out should have got Best Picture over Shape of Water, but 
that Shape of Water got it because he didn't get Best Foreign Film with Pan's Labyrinth, which yeah. he absolutely probably Jesus, should have. Jesus, man. If there's any film in his catalog that should have won any award, that is definitely it. I mean, they've always been political, not just in like the sense where celebrities go up and talk about politics, but oh, political man. and like Jesus Christ. people who deserve to win don't always win, but Jesus, we saw that movie and we're definitely blown away. Yeah, um, I was super stoked about the fact that he won all those awards, and the film itself took home several awards, and kudos. And Get Out is absolutely wonderful. Yeah, we both and enjoyed I'm really it, really. That it got Best Original Screenplay. So yeah, if nothing else, it's nice to see that some of the stuff that we have covered and the people we've talked about, you know, have won awards for their hard work. So congratulations. Unfortunately, there was a downside to the award ceremony last night and they always do the in memoriam segment. Oh yeah. Of people with I know somebody they left out. They left off a big name. Huge name when you consider unfortunately. What we do. Huge you know, for what we do, like you mentioned. So they left off Toby Hooper. They sure did. I noticed that last and night. And if nothing else, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like, that's not just horror. That changes That the changes the whole landscape, culture. yeah, from the late 70s on, in terms of, like you said, the pop culture and just cinema. Just, it was monumental. They also left off a couple others. One other that we should mention, because we've mentioned them on the show before, they left off Powers Booth. Oh, damn, yeah. What the fuck? John Mahoney was also left off from, like, Frasier and saying okay. and uh, Robert Guillaume. Probably best known as Benson for people who remember that show, but he was also in The Lion King. Huh, that's really interesting, yeah. But you're right, last night, I did watch a little bit of it, not that I do watch the awards shows, but, man, I had to take a break because it's just too much shit going on in that. I was like, man, what? Just announce the awards, fuck off. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I I just waited till they were done, and then that's probably the best way to watch that. that. <laughs> I was like, eh. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll watch the little clips that everyone's talking about. I'll stay away from all the boring shit, oh, and I'll man. just take a look at the list and see who actually won. Well, uh, I don't need to observe that all that bullshit real time. I did mention to you, I did watch one last Academy Award nominated film last night with my sister and brother in law. We watched Lady Bird, and it was a pretty good film. I could not see that film winning best film and uh there's a good reason why i didn't so but it's still an entertaining film i enjoyed it and uh yeah so there's that outside of that showed you i got a, another film in the mail i'm excited about a russian film oh yes that's true it's, i was just looking at it and i couldn't read anything on it but it looks awesome <laughs> yeah it's pretty awesome yeah so i'm excited about that and uh yeah just watched a couple of other nasties that i got this weekend too i think i mentioned one to you last night uh, We'll see if we ever get around to that one. See, I just I sat there and I got down on uh, Voltron this weekend myself. So Voltron, hell yeah, that's awesome. I'm fucking loving the new Voltron, but you know, I mean that's not horror related. <laughs> no, no, still fun. Yeah, a lot of fun. Really good, fun action, robots, monsters, deep space, space nice. opera. That's a cartoon I grew up on too, and I had some of the uh, action figures. Too. I know, I know, I've harped on you before, but I think you'd get down on this. New I need series. to check it out for real. I think you'd, I think you'd definitely get down on this new series. But as we've mentioned, there's only <clears throat> so many hours. Only in the day. So Jesus, fuck. Jesus. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> That's right. God, and I was a little bit productive with some of my. Yeah, hours you in the were. Day. We're not going to say exactly to. what. No. Instead, we're just going to say we're going to go to the guts and bolts on headless. And you can hear it for yourself.
Guts and Bolts. Right, Guts and Bolts for Headless. Yeah, man. I know this one was kind of our ace up the sleeve because we had another episode lined up, and that was just kind of the one we fell back on. Right. Our plans are still upcoming. Though. Oh, they definitely are. We just had to push it back a week. So this was our backup plan. And, oh, what a backup plan it was. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Shit. I know we, you and I have been kind of talking about it back and forth, and I figured why not? It's a good way to get to talk about a film within a film that we've already covered. We mentioned that earlier, and this is another film that I picked up recently on Blu-ray. And oh, that's true. Yeah, so I got to get to see some neat stuff behind the scenes, which I'll mention say, You have all the goodies on it. I, I'm not going to be bringing oh, no too much to the table until we get to the how does it make you squeal <laughs> today, but nice. we probably should start off with a synopsis. Yeah, brief synopsis. Headless is an exploitation-style slasher-slash-torture porn. Oh yeah, it goes there. That basically tells the tale of the final unwinding of this serial killer. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. And while it's sort of exploring what got him there in yeah. flashbacks and dreams. Yeah, it's, man, it's, it's awesome. That actually makes it sound a lot more complicated than this movie is. This is a very straightforward movie right. when you're actually watching it. Now, keep this in mind, too, that the film that it's in, you know, that little segment that it's in, is in Found, which we mentioned we covered earlier. And that film, not Found, but this film, Headless, the setting or the time is supposed to take place in the late 70s, like 1978. So they filmed it in a way where you're supposed to have that feel. So don't think that this is their way of like having a modern telling of a story. This is supposed to be set back in the 70s. So right. keep that in mind when you're watching this, if you do watch it. Yeah. Well, like, a, like an old... Exploitation. Yeah, exploitation, slasher. midnight feature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... All right, we gave the synopsis. I guess we can get into the people who helped make this film, and the first person we'll jump onto is Arthur Colifer, who is our director on this film. Now, he has all kinds of credits to his names in terms of what he does. He's a, a writer, he's an editor, he's a composer, he does special effects, so he kind of does it all when you look at film. Now, he's also part of that little Indiana crew that have made films like Fallon. He worked on the special effects with that. I mean, he did the casting for some of the prosthetics. He helped with uh, designing. You know, he was like a design artist, so he helped with sculpting and painting, and he helped with the practical effects. He was also the supervisor of special effects on Harvest Lake. And the only other credit that I gave him as far as his director credits were for Psycho Street, and he did the segment Come On Down, so... That's some of the stuff that Arthur Colifer is known for, which I'll talk about him a little bit further on later on. But the writer for this is Nathan Erdell, and Nathan is an interesting character. He went to the University of Indiana, and he worked alongside a gentleman named Robbie Benson. And you're like, who the fuck is Robbie Benson? Well, Robbie Benson is an actor and director. He's an actor known for lending his voice on Beauty and the Beast from 1991, the Walt Disney film. Oh, okay. And he was the Beast, so he voiced the Beast on oh, that. Shit. He was also a director on Friends. I mean, he's like done all kinds of shit. The reason I brought up that fact is because one of the people who are the producers on this film got in contact with Nathan because he was kind of in between projects, and he knew that you know they went to Indiana University. I'm not sure together or at separate times, but he knew that he was a really crafty writer so he brought him on board he started writing the script and everything else just kind of fell in place he got the basic idea from watching found 
you know, and then I suppose looking at some of the Todd Ritney's work, the, the guy who actually wrote the novel found that all this shit's based off of. And long story short, he said that writing this and working with people, he said that what he got from Robbie Benson was this sense of like kind of taking care of your actors and people on set. He says it's easy to get kind of caught up in filming and forget that people are thirsty or hungry or tired or cold, etc., etc. So having him on board, they said, to make this project really simple, you know, a lot easier than it probably could have been. So anyhow, Nathan has done work on The Legend of Wasco. He helped write that. He was actually in Found. I didn't realize this, but okay. he was the backroom video store customer. Uh, I'm not sure if he was the one running porn. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think um, that might be it. It could have been him. I mean, he's also in this film, Headless, as Eddie Maggot Kerr. I was kind of curious. There's a lot of people who are behind the scenes or actually in the scenes, too, in this film. Right. He's was, being one of them. I was kind of curious on some of those people, like that entire, like the entire band. The band, basically. yeah. Most of those people are behind the scenes, too. So, uh, yeah, Nathan plays Maggot in this film. Uh, I mentioned Todd Rigney. All these characters and situations were created by him. Our cinematographer is Leah Taylor. Now, she was the cinematographer on Found project that nathan had written it was called unwelcome and progeny which these are shorts she was also part of the special effects crew on lewis and harvest lake and in film she helped with casting and application of I guess some of the prosthetics okay in the film yeah so like i said she's worked on this film as a dp our editors are author colifer and scott Shermer. Now, why did I bring up Scott Shermer? Well, Scott Shermer is the director of Found. <laughs> of Found, yeah. He's also the producer on this film. Some of the projects that Scott has done along with Found are The Legend of Wasco, Plank Face, Harvest Lake. And he's also done editing on Space Space from Outer Space. And he's working on a new project that has a lot of these same people in it. It's called The Bad Man. Okay. So that's another project that's coming up soon. Looking forward to that. Our music was composed by Arthur. Once again, Mike Anderson, Magician Johnson. Magician Johnson's also in this film. I think he plays Spider <laughs> in the band. Magician Johnson. That's his name, Magician Johnson. And James Nash. James Nash helped compose the music. They just call him Magic for short. You can call him Magic. Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson. <laughs> uh, yeah, James Nash, he did some work on The Legend of Wasco, which a lot of these people are also involved with as well. Our special effects team. Now, this is the team that also worked on film. They are the Clockwork Creature Company, and they help with the special makeup effects. Now, Shane Beasley, he uh, is the supervisor for the special effects team. Arthur Cullifer, once again, was a supervisor. Christina Land, she was an, a special effects coordinator, and Leah Taylor was also a special effects coordinator on this film. Our producers, I didn't mention Scott Shermer, and Kara Erdell, she was the assistant director on The Legend of Wasco and Headless. So she's actually done some uh, some handy work with the uh, camera as well. Now, she was married to Nathan Erdell for a little while. I think they separated last year. Our production companies are Forbidden Films and Gentleman Monster Productions. They were in association with. Now, there's another company I want to mention really quick, because this is Scott Shermer's and Brian K. Williams's production company. It's called Bandit Motion Pictures. They formed as of February 15, 2016, and part of that is because of Found. I was reading an interview with Scott and he said that the one thing that he wished he would have done, which he didn't do, was seek uh, distribution from Europe as opposed to here in the States because it works a little different mm -hmm. in terms of finances. So anyhow, he 
and Brian got together and formed their own production company. So what they do is they help with independent film development, production, and distribution. Okay. So if you're looking for this film, you can find it on their website, banditmotionpictures.com. And you can find it on the Forbidden Films website as well. Our distributors for this film is Slaughter Movie House. They helped with the 2015, this is for all media from the USA. The release date, it was officially premiered at the Days of the Dead Culture Shock Film Festival on February 28, 2015. The tagline for this film, which I really dig, Without Faces, We Are Free. I really like that tagline, although I feel like that without having watched this movie, if you were to just see that tagline... You wouldn't have it context. would Right. Wait, out of context, it, it seems to apply more to the victims. Not about the victims. <laughs> no, not necessarily. No. <laughs> the other one that gets put on the poster for this is Unearthed, Uncensored, Unleashed. The most shocking film you've never seen. Which is probably yeah. somewhat true for some people. Not right, for us. Right. <laughs> All right. So I didn't get a budget for this. I would imagine it's probably along the same lines that Found Hats were probably in the uh, So this one 000. was crowdfunded. It was. It was uh, Kickstarter funded. And I'm pretty sure when I looked at the Kickstarter, I'm not sure if they had funds beyond this that they had already raised for it through other means. But whereas Found was like an $8,000 movie, that Kickstarter, I believe, got about 22000 So Damn, that's not bad. Yeah, which is really cool. So a lot of this was just funded by fans and friends and anybody who was interested in independent media. And I did see as part of that Kickstarter where they got some of the extra bodies for one of the scenes. That's pretty neat, eh? You could, if you donated $500, you could be an extra in a very specific scene. Put your ass in the pit. So I'm sure that's where a few of those people came from. I would imagine so, yeah. There's a cast member who I'd like to mention, not right now, but it's kind of interesting. It ties back into another film we've done already. All right, so starting off with the cast, we'll go ahead and end. Name Shane Beasley. Now, he plays the killer in this film. I'd mentioned he worked on special effects. Now, he's kind of known for doing special effects, but he's also acted in films like Lethal Obsession. He was in Found as a headless killer. He was in The Legend of Wasco, and he's also in The Space Babes from Outer Space. Okay. Which is kind of a comedy, like a sex comedy spoof. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, Kelsey Carlisle, she plays Jess Hardy in this film. Uh, she's one of the female protagonists, I suppose, if you want to put it that way. She was also in The Legend of Wasco. She's in Space Space from Outer Space. She was in Interstellar Civil War, Shadows of the Empire. In an upcoming film, Badass Angels. Ellie Church, she plays her best friend in the film. She plays Betsy Cord. She's in a lot of films. I've written down. She's in some pretty cool independent films. She's in um, a thing called And Then You Die. She's also the lead in A Time to Kill. She's in The Legend of Wasco. She's in Mania. She's in the Scott Shermer film Plank Face. She's in Pitfire of Hell. She's in the movie Hunters, another Scott Shermer film, Harvest Lake. She was in Frankenstein Created Bikers. She's kind of a wow. neat independent film, yeah. She's also in Space Space from Outer Space. She's in a film with somebody we've covered a couple of times. She's in a film called High on the Hog, and the actor that she's in that with is Sid Haig, oh. who we've covered with Bone Tomahawk and mm -hmm. House of a Thousand Corpses. So another independent film. I think this one's about marijuana. And she plays Mary Jane in that film. Wow. She's also in The Brides of Satan and the upcoming film The Bad Man. 
Our next actor I have written down is Dave Parker. Dave plays the role of Pete Christie. He's the front man for oh, up-and-coming okay. for punk band. Dead Bugs. <laughs> yeah, he's a front man for the Dead Bugs. And he's been in a couple films, too. He was in Skinless, which I understand is kind of a, a really highly rated independent film. So Skinless and Headless. Skinless oh, and Headless. headless. And he's there. something else in this film we'll mention later on. Yeah. He was also in Bath, Salt Zombies. Slimy Little Bastards. He's in Plank Face. He was in a film called Nutsack, which I was looking into some of that. I mean, it's a really low-budget kind of independent horror, but it's supposed to be like super gory and just known for its you know, practical effects. He was also in Hunters and a film called Gay for Prey. It's like about the erotic adventures of Jesus Christ, All right. where he plays Jesus. Wow. That yep. is something else. <laughs> oh, I saw that. I had to write it down. He's also in the upcoming film, The Bad Gay Man. Gay for Prey? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yep. That is amazing. <laughs> this is what you get with independent film. Uh, we have a child actor in this film. Well, I've actually got a couple of them, but the main one I want to mention is a kid named Caden Miller. He plays Skull Boy and also uh, the child in certain sequences in this film. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. This is his only film credit to date. I think he was eight years old at the time they filmed this. Right, so, he, so he'd be like 11 now. So yeah, give him time. Give him some time. <laughs> he does a really good job, man. I can't blame him here. I've already mentioned this gentleman, Brian K. Williams. Now, Brian plays the role of Slick Vic. He's the uh, roller rink owner. Oh, him. Okay. Yeah. Now, he has worked on films such as Mania, Space Babes from Outer Space, Cool as Hell Part 2. He's a director, a cinematographer, a writer, and an editor. So he's one of those people that's got a lot of handles on his name. Matt Keeley is another actor in this film. He plays the teen in the sequences that shows teens. Mm-hmm. All right. He plays also in The Legend of Wasco. That's another film credit he's in. Emily Scott McGee, she plays the mother. Now, she's also, if I'm not mistaken, I think she's in charge of costume design and, like, uh, wigs and certain makeup Wait, on this film. Not not like Darren Aronofsky's mother. Oh, right? no, okay. not quite. No, no, no. She plays the mother. Oh, okay. Yeah, in oh, the sequences. Oh, she's the mother. Okay. Yes. So keep in mind, like, this might like, be... I was like, wait, 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 what? No, 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 she's not in Mother. That'd be wild. I think this might be one of her few if not only acting credits, so keep that in mind when you watch this film, too. She's more known for her behind-the-scenes, but uh, she has little roles in Grief Stricken, The Clockwork Man, and Team Inspire. Jessica Schroeder, she plays the other teen in some of the flashback sequences. She was in films like Our Footloose Remake, The Legend of Wasco, Volumes of Blood Horror Stories, and It Came from the Stars, which is an upcoming short. Yeah, it came from the stars. Yeah, it did. We all did. Stardust. Olivia Arnold, she plays the little child in this film during some of the flashback sequences. Her only other appearance was in a film called Sequela. Haley Madison plays the punk chick in this film. Haley's done other work in The Space Babes from Outer Space, Bludgeon, Woodsman Forest of Pain, and Haunted House on Sorority Row. Jennifer Lee plays the hitchhiker. She's been in The Legend of Wasco. Bob Conley, I want to mention his name much later, but he is the roller rink announcer. Put a little pin by his name. There's a reason I'm bringing him up. And Alex Kogan, he plays a roller rink extra in this film. The reason I brought him up is he plays the best friend of Marty in Found. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he made oh. a cameo in this during the roller rink sequence. 
It's like, nice. They put him back cool. in there. So I didn't really spot him, but there's yeah. quite a few extras in there. But it was cool to see his name in there. Right. So that rounds out our cast. Like I said, for the most part, this is all Indiana cast and crew. You know, <laughs> they obviously have all worked on the same shit many oh, times man. together. Yeah. So if you've seen a project with any of these names, you've probably seen some other people attached to it. Just, to, just what it is is a part of that independent circuit they're they're doing, and I think they're doing a fucking fantastic job. And to be completely honest, if you saw any of the movies that they were involved in, it was probably found. Yeah, I would think so. No, I'm guilty of having some other films outside of this and found. I did pick up a copy of Plank Face as well. Right. I've seen bits and pieces of it. I've seen bits and pieces of Harvest Lake, and they're all pretty good, yeah. Alright, that's our cast and crew. You know what we have to do now is we have to warn the folks what's in this movie. Ooh, okay, so... This is where a lot of use is going to tap out. We mentioned exploitation style before, and it's, it's set up to be like a lost you know, film from the 70s. Exactly. It was supposed um, to be one of those nasties that you just might have seen late at night or picked that's up the in the thing. film. It kind of goes or... exploitation to the core with... It's there just to be a vehicle for blood and gore and pushing the limit. Oh, There's man. intense gore, intense violence, intense sexual violence, necrophilia, mm-hmm. child abuse, incestual intimations... Oh, God, what am I missing? Mild uh, <laughs> cannibalism. There is a little bit of animal violence. A little bit of animal violence. Cursing? Boobies? Oh, yeah, lots of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, lo- um, boobs and yeah. sex, along with, you know, like, like normal sex, not just necrophilia. <laughs> Emphasis on the neck. Yeah, shit. If that doesn't pull you out of it, then yeah, whatever we miss, we'll we'll cover in the next section. Blood and oh gore, God. so and much. Gore. The movie's called Headless. So yeah, you, and if you've seen the cover of the film, that kind of gives it away too. So yeah, that's what you're getting is a movie called Fucking Headless. If you've seen Found and you know the film within the film, then you'll know exactly. Oh what yeah, we're talking that's it. Um, I was wondering how they were going to work that in. This is kind of a warning, okay. just so you don't go in with different expectations for this movie. I thought that those were all going to be, like, integral portions to this movie. No, it's just part of a montage in the beginning. It's this really movie is. is something completely different. Yeah. But so that does set you up for what you're going to be I seeing. I totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. You don't ever see it in Found, but the things that are intimated that the older brother is doing in Found, you see. Oh, yeah. You can't help but see all the things that you saw the aftermath of and found, you see in this movie, basically. Maybe not all the things. That Majority. end sequence was something else. Oh, but. man, no doubt. Man, honestly, that's a hard one to top. I was trying to think earlier, like, how I would... Because I think we covered everything that, like, we have to warn people about. But I think this movie also will only speak to a very certain audience. This is definitely for a niche market of people in the horror genre. So I would say if you liked... Henry, mm, yeah. If you liked Wizard of Gore, then maybe check this one out. Yeah, I'd say too. If you can handle things like imprint and murders and inside, this would be a walk in the park for you. Yeah, if you can handle those levels of gore. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Then you can meander with us to this one as well. But aside from that, I would imagine. Did I mention intense sexual violence? I yeah. Think I did. Okay. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> So, yeah, you've got your hands full if you're not used to this subject matter going into this film. Shit. 
I think that's it. I think we need to get into the how did that make you squeal. Oh, man. Are you ready to squeal? Let's find out. God, what's happening to me? God, where am I? Why am I hearing these things? Oh, God, what... What's going on? Oh, Jesus, come on. Oh my God, what's what's going on? Where, where am I? Oh, gee, why, why? Come on, somebody, somebody. Ah. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, somebody. Sir, come on, somebody, somebody's there. Somebody's got to be there. I will shock you. Come on, sir. Come on, sir, you must listen to me. Sir, I only have one question. How does that make you squeal? Number 61. We're gonna have some fun. Yeah. Headless. <laughs> oh, no. Alright, so much like when we went into Found, this was my first time. I know that you've watched it... I had seen it once before. Once before. Prior to reviewing. And now I'm up to three views total. Yeah, I'm up to two. I mean, so you're still one ahead of me. But you've also checked out all the special features, I right? did. I cheated because... Maybe about a month or so, two months ago, Bandit Motion Pictures had a sale on all their DVDs and Blu-rays. I picked up a copy of Headless that we're reviewing today, and a copy of Point Face, which is assigned by Scott Shermer and Ryan Williams, so I thank both of those guys for that. But anyhow, long story short, you're right, I got to see some of the, I won't say some of I got to see all of the behind the features, and you know, knowing that I'd seen it prior to us reviewing it, I was like, man, this is going to be fun to talk about, because they did a really good job. Yeah, so... Before we get into all the the juicy bits that you learned, oh yeah, and the overall just shit from the movie, I want to get my main gripe with it out of the way first. Maybe I'm off base, and that's why I want to get it out of the yeah, way. Yeah, no worries. Maybe they did enough homework that I'm the one that is being dumb and is not recognizing it. But this movie's made to be done as like a 1978 exploitation style movie, right? Yeah. And it, even in the beginning, it's like copyright 1978. And all oh that yeah, shit. they give you the whole feels for it. It didn't look old enough. I agree. Even some of the dialogue, too. Yeah, and it didn't feel accurate. And that kind of bugged me throughout it. And it would wane in and out, because there were some parts that felt super good, super yeah, on point. Yeah, I understand that. Um, the way it opens with the fake Wolf Baby preview, I was immediately... I thought that that was... I was oh, like, is, I'm like, did they tack like a real exploitation trailer to the beginning of this? Because I thought Wolf Baby looked legit. Yeah, Wolf Baby looked like it'd be something fun to watch. And I was like, shit, did I miss an exploitation movie that I need to go, like, <laughs> how did I miss hearing about something nice. called Wolf Baby? Like, Did you catch the actors that were in Wolf Baby in the truck? Okay. And that felt completely on point. But then when it moved into the movie itself, there's a lot of, a lot of the movie that felt more like when you would do, like, a recreation scene on Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And I got what they were going for. They were trying to make it old-timey, but I think there's a reason why a lot of exploitation-style movies these days, either they tend to go the route of just doing a modern-day take on exploitation. Right. And it's because now it's hard to make things look authentically old. It really is. Because you're either going to spend a shit ton of money on running everything you're shooting through the exact right filters yep. to make it look good and make it look authentic. Or you're going to have to fucking spend the time acquiring all the old-time authentic equipment oh, man, to actually yeah. do it with. That's true. And I feel like in this case, just knowing like 
what they had to say as far as the time they had to put into it and then find locations and having things change in pre-production, you know, production and post-production. Scott Shermer flat out said that it was, it was a hell, like through the whole production process. He says shit was changing so often and, you know, they were just under the gun a lot because of the fact that they had people who actually funded it. Mm-hmm. So the product was, I won't say rush, but it just had a, a quicker time frame to be worked with them. But long story short, there are times where it does feel like it's not set in that time period because they're using too much modern equipment. And that's my overall biggest gripe with the movie, so I just wanted to get it out of the way now because that just permeates the way I view the entire rest of the movie. Yeah. The other thing is, like I pointed out with my fucking synopsis, this movie's way more simple than the synopsis makes it sound. It is, and there's interesting themes in this film, too that they play with, that I feel like it gives it a little bit more of an artsy side to this film, because there are some artful moments in this film. So, I guess the first thing from the get-go, during the sort of hearing voices sequence, where some of it's like audio from flashbacks and shit that we get explained later, Mm -hmm. and I felt like this made it the more entertaining movie. Okay, so first off, the fucking killer gets put in a cage as a child. Yeah. Let, let's let, let's establish that. By, this is the spoiler section, so we're going to be jumping around, because there's some really crazy parts to this movie. That So through the series of flashbacks and what he's doing now in modern time, well, 1970s, is he still goes back inside the cage. And you learn that his mom put him in a cage as a punishment for just being. So because you hear the voices from the audio before you actually get one of his flashback sequences. So I thought that that audio set up why he was in the cage in his flashbacks. So I understood it the first time through this movie, which is an even more fucked up scenario. They never explain why his mom puts him in the cage. She just calls him a dirty little monster. Right. And she, you're right. I mean, and blames him point. for her husband leaving. Right. But the but first time somewhere in between. Yeah. But the first time I went through this movie, because when you're hearing the voices sequence, it ends with the audio from the flashback where his sister is trying to have her way with him. I thought the reason he was in the cage was because his sister molested him, and they got caught, and the mother blamed him for it. It could be. I mean, there are heavy implications of incest in that family. And you can see the, I mean, of course... Oh, the urination too. thing, I think, oh, was yeah. at home, too. Yeah, I mean, they were into water sports. She was teasing him a lot. She, it was... I want to use a weird reference here, but if you've ever seen Borat, Borat talks about his brother, Bilo. <laughs> it kind of reminded me of that a little bit. I was like, this is how it would have been reenacted. <laughs> he got that. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird, man, but you don't really learn exactly why he's put in the cage. You just know that he's in the cage. He's mute, apparently, too. He doesn't talk. Just grunts a lot. Mm-hmm. That gets not really explained, but you can kind of see why he doesn't as well. This is another one of those ones where the flashbacks are really cool, but what's even neater is the sort of surreal sequences that cut in. We'll talk about those in a second. But the flashback sequences are kind of just the simplistic, this leads to why he does this, this leads to why he does this. Mm -hmm. Like, he was only given the bunnies' heads to eat, and so apparently the part he got down on was the eye, and he still does that, and like... Yeah, so there are explanations throughout 
those flashbacks explains his behaviors now. But I almost feel like the more interesting story is the surreal sequences. And instead of flashbacks that are kind of just all surface level shit, although fucked up, don't get me wrong, fucked up, but I kind of want to see how this guy even gets by on the day-to-day. Because it doesn't appear that he ever cleans himself. It appears that he's mute. Yeah, he's just... I don't know, man. And is living in a house full of rotting flesh. Not to mention having a fucking body pit elsewhere out in the woods. That shit is unbelievable. That's the kind of thing I like about it, too. There are some homages, of course, that they're playing into this film. Uh, You can totally see it, but... But he's not cannibalistic enough and not killing enough to sustain him. I was thinking that part of that, too. It's like, his entire diet can't just be human flesh. There's no way. And I understand that part of this is just that it is kind of just supposed to be this grindhouse-style... exploitation. Exploitation. You don't need a whole lot of... You're just getting this fucking (laughs) fucked-up killer who's super fucked up. Don't get me wrong. We'll get exactly into what he does. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Because we also have to talk about that shit. (laughs) He's a romantic. Found did not prepare me for that bullshit. (laughs) Bullshit I'm using in the fondest way right there. I know what you mean. That's a term of endearment. Kind of amazing. (laughs) Okay. But I did want to know, more than seeing his fucking past, I kind of wanted to see how this guy even just got around on the fucking day-to-day. Because it doesn't even seem like he even cleans like the blood and shit off. No, he just kind of goes about his business. He just kind of goes... He's not one for, you know, sanitation. And that's <laughs> He's why not a sanitary person. But that's kind of why it reminded me of Henry. Because yeah. Henry's kind of just this serial killer... Just kind of... ...getting to do what he wants... And he this is the rules. same thing. This is just like the last week in the life of this serial killer. Because, by the way, there's yeah. no way he survives the ending. Unless oh, you want oh, to take no this way. completely surrealistic. Which you could, I guess. You, you have that out because you've already been throwing surrealism into it. But Yeah. And knowing the fact, too, that the idea behind it as well... Which I think this is like when you talk about meta. Like how meta this shit gets, too, with this film is that it recognizes that if you watch Found and you know that Marty found that movie in his brother's little stash and it was stolen from the uh, rental place, he has all those time signatures where shit happens in the film. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it opens up with those sequences. But then it also recognizes, too, that this was supposed to be a, a film that goes beyond just those scenes. There's a whole film... <laughs> And this is what you get. And that's some fucked up shit throughout. So I thought it was kind of neat, too. Like, they just went all balls in. And you can interpret it any way because it was supposed to be, like you said, something that you might have found by mistake or just a super underground film from that time period. I like this movie a lot more. than I, I got to get two more gripes out of it. Uh, no, no worries, man. That's what it's for. Uh, the acting was just barely above porn level, which kind of bugged me because Found was actually pretty well acted. The adults in it were kind of shit, but... It's harder to get a good performance out of kids, and the kids in Found were fucking they amazing. Were shit. Now, I know that they're different directors, however, this is a lot of, as we pointed out, there's a lot of like cast and crew that have all worked together on all these different projects yeah. before, so I was kind of expecting a little bit better, I, and yeah, I know that I, know uh, I do think that some of them were hamming it up, 
thinking that because this is supposed to be exploitation style that <laughs> yeah they just they gonna... could which i mean they it's do. still not completely out of bounds but you have to think about the fact that exploitation did give rise to some people that i mean there's fucking there is good acting in there there is if you're paying attention yeah it's not i mean it is hammy but it's well done it's well crafted it's not schlocky i guess so this it seemed to get better as the movie went on mm-hmm. my biggest gripe was the first victim she didn't really sell it for me for the brutality of what happens to her, especially compared to the rest of the victims. I agree with that. that to that the I, point where it kind of pulled point. me out, where I was just like, cool, I, I knew this was effects just because I know I'm watching a movie, but <laughs> you could sell this a little bit more. He's jabbing a machete up your pussy. <laughs> That's the punk chick. And I agree with you. There's times where the victims, they were underselling it. And it does kind of throw you off a little bit. And I can understand um, that from our standpoint. I felt like he was perfect, though. The killer oh. was perfect just because... Partially because I'm not sure how you're supposed to act when you're that fucked up. And so he kind of could have done anything, and I probably would have bought it. But he sold it for me across the board. But not as much as the Skullboy. Oh, man, that little kid Skullboy probably had the easiest part. Awesome. All he had to really do was point and wave his hands at the right time. Because the mask pretty much did the rest of it for him. Yeah. But still, fucking... Oh my god, creepy, awesome, amazing. A neat story about this kid was when they were casting for that part, when Caden auditioned, they learned that he uh, played football, right? And they're like, well, that's something that needs coaching and direction. And he feels like that kid had a good grasp with that. So he felt like it was easy to direct him as opposed to other people who already kind of know what's going on. So he just told the kid what he needed, and the kid performed, man, and the kid did a great job, man. Yeah, it was sweet. I love the idea, not only is the dude mute, but, like, the kid, the like, the clacking is I really cool. The clacking that. is fucking dope. He does, like, a fucking body scratch, snatcher screech, which yeah. fucking, if for some reason there are the writer, yeah. directors, people involved with this movie ever listen to this, please, please, please write and let me know. If that was intentionally supposed to be a body snatcher screen. Some of that, I believe, they do pay homage to certain films, and I believe that's some of the influence of... I can't remember if it's Erdell or Culliver, but I think Culliver tends to be like more slashers, whereas Erdell was more like with psychological films, shit like that, heady, heady films. God, the Skull Kid was amazing. I really like the idea of that, too, and it gives it a whole kind of interesting meaning to that character as well, the killer. Like, mm-hmm. that's just, you know, another figment of him and his different personality apart from himself. It's just the one that's giving him guidance to what he needs to do. And the very, very last shot of the movie with the Skull Kid just seemed so weirdly triumphant. It is. For me, that was just as masterful of a shot as what Found ended on. It's a very powerful scene. <clears throat> yeah, when you take in consideration everything leading up to that moment and what it means <laughs> it's like it's a mind fuck it's really good or what it could mean i some of it i'm not sure if it has exact meaning straight through as much as it's really yeah cool. there's a lot of it it's, it's over really interpretation cool. you know what i mean it's <laughs> for the most part some of it is really pretty to look at <laughs> the effects were top notch that that's what i also want to say yeah. throughout, though even if some of the victims seem to undersell it at times some of this shit's pretty fucked up that's happening to him. That's why I said, if you like Wizard of Gore, like, this straight up this. owes so much to, like, Splatter film. Yeah, with Lewis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Gordon Lewis for sure. I would imagine so. Given the <laughs> given the scenes that they're pulling off and the effects, yeah. Well, what I first think of is the punk girl's legs getting sawn off. Mm-hmm. That was really good looking. That was good looking. They did a good job pulling that off. Some uh, of the eyeball eating scenes were like pretty gnarly. The eyeball eating, yeah, that was pretty gnarly. <laughs> the heads were not as good, but they were one of the things that were just bad enough to sell me on <laughs> they were the fact that they were trying to do exploitation. Yeah. It was more just like the camera and the, the filters that they were obviously using to try to make it... <laughs> to try to make it look grainy, mm-hmm. yeah, in that time period. That's what I was saying by... Yeah, it, I mean, it a lot of it was. quite look right. Yeah. It looks... Everything looks like it was made on something too new with the settings turned down to make it look old. Yeah, exactly. So that's something that it, I could imagine would be difficult to running on the budget that they have. Mm-hmm. You know, they can't help. But I think, you know, not looking at it too... Critically, you know, because this is not a film that you can take too seriously. Either. Oh, no, no. I mean... Honestly, this isn't a film that you really have to pay that much attention to. No, not really. Not really. It's pretty straightforward. I got pretty fucking stoned beforehand, and I sat back, and when I was watching it, I realized there's a couple parts where I wasn't paying that much attention. I either... I just, like, started playing with the cat, or, like, started focusing on what I was eating, and I was like, oh, shit, like, I'm supposed to be watching this movie for the podcast... I'm like, what the fuck did I miss? And I'd sit there and I'd rewind it like the yeah. two, three minutes that I and zoned just out. Just the and I'd be like, well, I, I really didn't miss much. Like, this fucking really doesn't matter because I kind of know where this is going already. Yeah, and that doesn't really well, take anything away from it either. I mean, I did think that's, I did think, I guess, that he was going to get stopped in the end. Right. But he That's the only thing that I didn't Jesus. take into consideration. All right. Some of the points I'd like to bring up about the film are not necessarily pros or cons, but just points. We're talking about effects and some of the deaths, and <laughs> one that I think that you maybe alluded to were some of the skull fucking scenes. Okay, so let's. <laughs> oh my god, yes. Okay, let's get to this. Wow, they went there for all the shit that we have covered on this podcast. First off, I don't think we've done skull fucking yet. We've done some Not necrophilia, like but it it tends to be like. Still normal necrophilia. Yeah, I, guess. I mean it's still like, vaginal. It's still vaginal. Maybe some boot butt stuff. Yeah, maybe a little bit of butt stuff, but uh, who knows? Maybe even some normal oral. Yeah, who knows? What the head attaches? What we're getting? <laughs> wow. And then I think when people hear skull fucking, they tend to think more like the eyeball. And if you were to tell me that he skull fucks somebody, and then the first thing he does is scoop out the eyeballs, I'm like, oh, I know where this is going. <laughs> No. <laughs> he kind of... He gets deep throw. <laughs> yeah. Every time, he gets deep throw. I like, literally. There's even one scene where I thought... They do throw a lot of humor in this. Like, there are some funny moments. Wait, so... Wait, we're going to describe this okay, very graphically yeah. this for is everyone what I'm at home to. right now. So after, oh, after he cuts off the victim's head... Well, and scooped out the, the eyes... The eyes are out, yeah. The eyes then become... Thumb hole, thumb holder, grips. thumb grips for him holding on to the skull. But then he doesn't enter the mouth. No, no, no. No, no, no. He enters the, the throat hole. <laughs> yeah. Hole. <laughs> Including at least one scene where you definitely see his dickhead in the fucking throat. <laughs> yeah, that's not an Adam's apple. But it is now. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, they really did that. 
<laughs> but it was funny, man. There are some fucked up moments. One that I think is really fucked up. Oh, total throwback gratuitous titties. Oh, there were. Yeah. Gratuitous titties. Which is all right. There I just wanted bad. to point it out. I mean, there we are already some warned for yeah. titties, but now that we're talking about the movie, it was like total old school gratuitous titties. Yeah, you saw like at least three or four pair of tits in this film, boobies in this film. I'm not complaining. It happens. They weren't done in a way that it was like overtly sexual. I mean, it was a weird mm-hmm. sexual bent, but it wasn't meant for like, <laughs> I don't know, pornography sake. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was more like for gore's sake. And some of it, too, like, in the rink and stuff like that, I mean, that was kind of exploitative, but... Right. It was... It was I don't know. <laughs> that was, oh that was a kind of weird scene anyway. <laughs> Doing that, rink was, and... that rink was just a hammer home that it was supposed to be the 70s, right? Something interesting. That's why I wanted to put a, a pin mark on that name. Okay, Bob Conley, I was talking about. Uh, he is the roller rink announcer. Why does that matter? Well, when they were scouting locations, they wanted a roller rink now, most of these people are from the Bloomington area, and they look for one in Bloomington, and when, they said when they found out that they were doing a movie, like they got shut down immediately. They didn't tell them what kind of movie. They're just like, nope. So they found a roller rink. I think it's in Linton. It's called Cruiser's Roller Rink. Okay. And Bob owns the place, and he's like, yeah, hell yeah, because he said that like he wanted to help put his son through film school, and... The writer, Erdell, Nathan Erdell, I think this is kind of neat. This leads into another story. He said that when they were scouting the location and entered the roller rink, they went in through like where the employees go in, and they could hear the owner, Bob, and he says, like, if this guy has such and such, he's like, we're going to get along very well. And he's like, well, that such and such was the fact that he was wearing a shirt that had Sammy Terry on it. And Sammy Terry is for people who grew up in, like, the Indianapolis area. This guy was a television horror host. So he was like one of those who did like the late night double oh, features okay, yeah. and, you know, horrors and whatnot. So from like basically the 60s all the way up to the 2000s, I think he passed away in like 2013. But his son took over and is still doing it. But that's for people in that area who knew. And that guy just happened to have the shirt on. They got along really well. And he allowed them to film on location. And they had a fucking good time is what they said. Like That was one of the biggest things that... It happened for them. Nice. Yeah, and so they included him, and that's where Alex Coogan get a play. I think it's David mm-hmm. and found. He was an extra oh, yeah, in that. Oh, asshole best friend. <laughs> yeah. So I that was kind of neat. That was kind of an interesting little factoid. But anyhow, some of those scenes were kind of neat. They did try to give you that throwback feel of the disco roller rink era. So <laughs> the fucking the disco reminds me. The music in this movie is really good. The songs in this movie are fucking terrible. They are ridiculous. Ridiculously spot on. One of my favorite lines from a music lyric is sung in a car. She just keeps repeating that. What was the fucking. What was the one in the disco? Like, there's gonna be. Ah, man. I don't know. It was weird. Like, heads rolling on the fucking disco floor or something like that. Yeah, there were some. The music was like completely on the nose. (laughs) Any of the songs are on the nose to whatever is going on in the movie. Uh, I will say this too, though. Some of the score for the serious moments, serious moments. Right, the score is good. Oh, man. Especially towards the end. It's like, it's super haunting. I felt like it was. One of those things, if you're not comfortable watching, would totally make your skin crawl. <laughs> and a lot of that is owed to some of the, the music and the organ use and shit like that they incorporate. 
two of the effects I wanted to mention. There was one scene in particular where dude gets his shit whacked off too, his junk sliced off. Right, okay, so first, before we get there, because that seems to be sort of karmic comeuppance for the fact that he mentioned it earlier. Yes, and it's funny that. But I want to point out, he's like, he sort of gets away with a bunch of bullshit with his girlfriend, who's kind of set up to who you think's going to be the final girl, and she Mm -hmm. definitely, well, she's kind of the final girl. Kind of. Kind of. For the film. Probably for him. Yeah, I would imagine so. She completed him recreating, killing his sister and mother. Yeah. But anyway, sorry. He <laughs> So he gets away with being a dickwad, and he even yes, mentions yes. to his friend as she's on the way out the door, is like, that's what you get for having a big dick or something like that? Yeah, uh, he's trying to bump that's $10. That's the upside of having a big dick, something like that? Yeah, she's been going off all this time about him not having a job and just playing music. You know, like I said, And all I could think bum. is... The amount that this guy is just a total dick and loser (laughs) and mooching fucking freeloading pretentious twat bag, he must have a fucking magic dick for her to fucking put up with his ass. (laughs) And then? And then it just gets cut off anyway. Yeah. And it's like... I mean, we mentioned titties in our disclaimer, but we didn't mention the fact that you just get like dick in a hand at one point. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I guess we didn't mention you get a dick up the throat either. Dick up the throat. Yeah, like there's some weird warnings. You're in the spoiler section, so you get that. One thing I liked, too, we talked a little bit about the pit. They used one of the special effects... uh, No, it was actually, I think it was like a co-producer, associate producer. They used his house. I think the last name was Sturgeon. Mm-hmm. Because they couldn't scout actual places where they could construct that, so anyhow, they use like this cattle pen, and then they use layers of cardboard and just like, chicken wire and shit like that. But anyhow, that scene where he gets the hitchhiker and she runs up to that and she sees the carnage below, and I was like, that is pretty fucked up for oh, any yeah. film oh, that you see. God. That it's is so fucking cool. And then she gets that film shoved down into had it. All my attention, I was like, "Oh shit, this is great!" I was like, "Oh, and, that's uh, super grotesque." It reminded me of the fucking Doctor Satan yeah. sequence. Yeah, in House of a Thousand Corpses. bodies and shit. It was good too, and but I think that's where probably where some of the uh, Kickstarter <laughs> money was invested too. Mm-hmm. Some of those bodies were yeah. five hundred dollar donations. <laughs> Well spent, if you ask me. Yeah, shit, I wouldn't have minded being one of those bodies. Yeah, what I thought was kind of neat about that, too, is... I uh, probably wouldn't have given them 500 bucks, though. I'm sorry, no. guys. Like, I, I love seeing this movie, but I, I need money. <laughs> that leads to another skull-fucking scene. He does a lot of skull-fucking in this movie, but he winds up killing her on that mound of dead bodies in that pit, and then he goes to fucking... And then he winds up having flashbacks, and then he wakes up, and <laughs> he's still laying. It's like... Okay, so when he he wakes up, and I couldn't tell precisely, because both these things happen at once, he starts crying afterwards, and I couldn't tell if it was because necessarily because of his flashbacks, or because his flashbacks that he had already been having caused him to skullfuck his own mask. Because when he wakes up, the head's not there anymore, but his fucking mask is over his dick. He's okay with it. <laughs> No, I know what you're saying. It's, uh, if it caused him to desecrate weird. the thing that he's trying to become. Because yeah. that's the other thing. This reminded me point. kind of like Red Dragon, where it's all about this serial Be- killer yeah, becoming. becoming. That's a very good point, because there is an evolution maybe of sorts for him. Like a, just a, a rebirth. 
<laughs> it's super unique. Well, once you get all the flashbacks with, like, his mom and his sister being fucking terrible to him. Oh, man. You already mentioned, like, she rains on him. Mm-hmm. Golden showers. In the very end of the movie, that comes back around to after he kills the last two girls. Yeah. He goes and gets the heads, and then he, they're already dressed body. up like them and puts yeah. them on their body. So that's what I thought was kind of unique, too. Is and so I was like, that, that's attention. it, right? Yeah. Like, he, for whatever Completed reason... that his family... Yeah, for whatever reason, they were the perfect victims. Like, he finished it. Yeah. So she was kind of the final girl. <laughs> yeah, for that weird purpose for him. The weird purpose was pretty gnarly. She gets a good slash on him at right. the end. And he's forced to look in the mirror... And the mirror reveals something to him, and he gets rid of it. Well, I mean, he's always put on the skull mask anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's been the skull-faced boy that's been his leader. And so when he becomes, he peels away the skin of his top half of his head down to the skull. Yeah. And then curls back up in his cage. cage. Yeah, and little skull head boy locks him away in his cage. I put down he grabs a chalice. I didn't know what else the fuck to call it. Mm-hmm. It's not a goblet. <laughs> It's too small, but... Yeah, and he sits at the head of the table. And presides over it all. Yeah. Very, uh, very, like, lavishly. Yeah, and I felt like there was, in an odd sense, perhaps, some kind of completion, or maybe not finality, but something close to that. It felt like an odd sense. Yeah, I I mentioned before, like, it felt like this weird completion, like this... He did it. Yeah, there was some kind of unique significance to it all. Like, maybe that was his ideal family... Perhaps him, too, when he's doing the skull-fucking, he's imagining his sister, but as a faceless woman. Yeah, so you get all a bunch of surreal sequences from almost That's the beginning. That's kind of what I gathered from that. Because in the beginning, there's a couple scenes that show something that looks kind of like the angel of death from Hellboy 2. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he does use a lot of that imagery, like the occult Kind of. And it seems like all of his victims he's trying to recreate into the image of the surreal visions that they cut to. And it's wow. like this weird, eyeless doll woman. Yeah. Who's sort of a stand-in for his sister. Who gives into his sexual urges, his release. And so that's a lot of the eye thing, too. And I think the... No, it doesn't I, And I think to... the doll part ties into... The first flashback is he had gotten out of his cage and was playing with his sister's dolls. Yeah, and he was—he already had them separated, the heads from the body, and he was looking at them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you could see like how manipulative his sister was the whole time too. And then, yeah, all those weird surreal sequences are all kind of in that line of showing the way he's envisioning things going, except with. The plastic eyeless woman with some other just weird shit thrown in including the fact that towards the end i think after as he's having visions before he rips open his head but after he kills the final girl i think this is when that happens that includes the skull head on the plastic woman's body mm-hmm. dancing around <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. and so about... he's becoming her hmm. I don't know. that's a good point too with the head. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the movies. Uh-huh. Becoming some... I mean, he obviously tried to become something, and it seems like he accomplished it as much as he's ever going to be able to. So. Yeah. I don't know. That's a good point, too. That needs further investigation. But there is, like I said, a lot of really psychedelic flashbacks. 
a lot of really interesting imagery that they incorporate into those flashbacks. The one that I really enjoyed that I felt like was super surreal and you know psychedelic and occultish was after his flesh was removed from his face is he starts to have this transformation where he's in the veil and you see the wings. Oh, yeah. It's like one of those where it's super trippy because then there's things that are juxtaposed over him. And if you pay close enough attention, you get to see, like, the devil as a goat and all that stuff. So, I mean, there's even allusions to, you know, like, these death angels and things like that. So I just thought it was kind of a, a wild take on it, too. Like, how surreal he got and how trippy he got with that. Mm -hmm. he just took it to a different level than I was anticipating. It's like, which is more than a slasher. <laughs> I mean, that's, it is a lot more than just a slasher. Everyone pretty much dies that shows up in this movie, though. Yeah, so. if you get in this way, you're probably going to die. And that's typically what happens. The only person, maybe not, Maggot, he made it. Band mates, made it. They got fucked over. Maybe that's what saved them. Yeah. Yeah, they got <laughs> fucked over. Yeah, dude must have had a magic dick because I don't he know. was a fucking Yeah, I mean, he portrayed a, a really good douchewad <laughs> in it. <laughs> but it was interesting, like, Dead hearing Bugs him. Dead is a terrible name. <laughs> uh, well... <laughs> There's a kind of a unique play on that, too, because one of the final things that you actually do see on one of the victims is a ladybug. Mm. That can be interpreted as something as well, because I've always interpreted that, if you believe in that kind of thing, that people view ladybugs possibly as good luck or some kind of good fortune. And I think maybe, I won't say an omen, but some kind of weird transformation of sorts for him. And that's one of the last things that he saw on one of those victims, too. So it's like, mm, and also the dead bugs mm -hmm. as a band. Mm. I don't know, dude. Yeah. Yeah. 1970s, maybe. <laughs> but no, overall, I thought it was a fun hour and 25 I'm, I'm minutes. I'm definitely glad long. I finally got to see it. I'm probably not going to watch it all too often. No, it's not one of those that you always want to put in. It's a good one to watch on occasion if you're in that kind of mood. For me, this is going to be another one that I rank like a 7.5, like right alongside yeah. Tom Hawk. Not that I'm going to switch to like ranking things on that system all the time, <laughs> yeah. but that was sort of how I ended up feeling coming away from it. Like I, I dig it. I'm glad I finally watched it. Yeah. I probably will watch it again at some point. But My take on it, I gave it a little bit higher rank. I'm probably a little bit more biased just because, you know, so I got her. <laughs> <laughs> but I felt like for the fact that they're making a film... That start off is just kind of like a segment, basically, in another film and film. And they ran with it, and they really ran with it. And they still use a lot of the same people that were involved in both of those projects. And being just a, an independent film, shot in Indiana, and I think they shot it in like six weeks. Fourteen days and six weeks is what their time was on a Kickstarter budget. <laughs> I thought it was kind of neat, man. And the gore was good. Some of the dialogue oh, the was great. Some of the acting, not so much. But aside from that, it's a pretty decent film. Hey, look, they gave me Wolf Baby, I'm down to clown. I know a lot of people are interested in that. Like, It'd be kind of neat to see if that Kickstarter could go. Who knows? Yeah, they gave me Baby. Wolf Baby, I'm down to clown. But That looked really like... Maybe the bent they could have gone with with this a little bit more, but mm -hmm. they didn't. I mean, there's definitely things about this, though, that I super dig. I love the Skull Kid. So cool. Yeah, super um, good job. I thought the even the teenage actors, they're not teenagers, but their parts uh, were teenagers. Mm -hmm. I thought they did a good job. Like, yeah. the chick that pissed on them, she oh, did I a good part. I thought she might have did the best in the movie other than the, the other two that I, I wrote, pointed out. Yeah, that down, the kid that played the teenage <laughs> killer, 
I thought he did pretty good. He said that he had watched Found, you know, it's kind of inspiration for his character, and he realized that just for the kid, he said he felt like he was animalistic and just mm-hmm. did things very... Just he knew that he was in an environment and that he was in harm's way at you know at any corner I guess he turned, so he just wanted to play very primal and he did. He got peed on, he made grunts and mm-hmm. got out and got his sister's eyeball. Yeah, kickstarted yeah. a bunch of shit. <laughs> oh, so much shit. So well, you're right. The throat. kid did a good job. So much deep throats. There's a lot of necrophilia in this man. There's a lot of skull fucking. There's a lot of skull fucking in this. <laughs> <laughs> so that's something I can take away from it, which I thought was kind of neat. Scott Sherber did doing behind the scenes. Is a how would you describe your experience with this film in three words? How would you describe your experience in three words? Skull fucking fantastic. <laughs> I think that's pretty good. I would also go with skull fucking gory, surreal. <laughs> no, I mean gory surreal skull fucking. <laughs> If you know you're getting into, go watch it. No, it, yeah, exactly. If you're familiar with films, if you're familiar with independent, if you're familiar with what we just mentioned uh, several times. If you want something gory that you don't necessarily have to pay attention to anything else. If you want something a little campy, too. It's, it's a little campy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a nod to some of those films. I think uh, there was a cool shot where they definitely paid homage to A Nightmare on Elm Street. Right out of the tub. Mm, I saw yeah, that. Yeah. Some of it felt like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We talked about Toby Hooper earlier. I mean, the dining table sequence... Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I mean, there's some interesting nods. There's some influences that shine through, but I think overall, good project. They did a really good job. <coughs> I enjoyed it. It's a good film. But now, next week, we're going to have guests in the studio again. Yeah, we are. And we're going to be talking. We're not going to give away everything, but so that you can get ready, prepare yourselves. We'll be covering some of that horizon. Yes, we will. Don't get too close to that black hole. Mm, black hole. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. It has nothing to do with still fucking. <laughs> in order to continue listening to us as we go into that wondrous, wondrous event, Horizon, <laughs> next week. Yes. Anything that you're listening to us on right now, we would very much appreciate it if you hit subscribe. If the way you're listening to us right now isn't your preferred way of listening to us, head over our website and there is links to all the major shit. Yeah, all the major uh, players. Website being www.friedsquirms.com. You can always hit us up on our Twitter at Fried Squirms, Facebook Fried Squirms, Instagram Fried Squirms Podcast, or our email squirmcast at gmail.com. Yeah, we'd love to hear back from you. Give us some feedback. Um, Let us know how we're doing. Yeah. Just say, hey, you like, hey, what's up? <laughs> Why don't you like Halloween 3 Season of the Witch more? <laughs> we tried. <laughs> I'll put it this way. All right, I have to make a confession. Dude, there's so many movies that we've done since then that I dislike more than I'll say this. I mean, Halloween I, 3 Season I, of the I Witch. I admitted this to you, too. I'll rewatch Halloween 3 Season of the Witch again before I ever rewatch Belko Experiment. Oh, I will as well. For a very good reason, because I actually have a copy of Halloween 3. <laughs> I'll get into that later on, but I do have a copy of it. As a result of reviewing the film. <laughs> in a weird fucking way, but I do have a copy of it. Thanks, Mark Juan. So, like I said, I've been kind of beefing up the catalog. See what's out there. There's some good shit, man. We've got a lot of interesting things coming up. Yeah. Event Horizon's next, though. Oh, shit, did I miss anything? I think I had everything that I need to tell you guys. <laughs> yeah, no, Alex, I'm looking forward to our next episode and see what we got going on after that, man. Yeah, me too. But for this week, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms. Oh. Boot. boot? <laughs> What's that all, boot? <laughs> hey. <laughs>